This is the Punk Show Podcast. Um, now, listen, uh, you're not uh, a stranger to Victoria, though. You were here last fall as part I of the Rifflandia Festival. It's a pleasure, finally, to play over there after all the years of uh, you know, listeners and some uh, radio programmers being so supportive of my first record, and I couldn't believe I had never been over there. And it was, yeah, so it was an amazing opportunity to finally play with with you guys, yeah. Very cool. Well, I know that uh, one of the big uh, highlights for pretty much everybody I work with here was when you were um, performing down at Market Square there, and you gave us a shout-out. You gave the Zone a shout-out on stage. That's <laughs> true. I mean, you guys are a cool station, and I, like I said, like when I started my, my own label for this last record, Out of Our Minds, it was the first time I actually started looking at, like, statistics like who supported my last record because my last record i was still living in a fantasy bubble with some you know major label person (laughs) taking care of everything and i wasn't aware and then when i looked at the history i'm like victoria (laughs) how did i miss that that they were so supportive of all the waves and and of course because you're a waterside uh city and you probably have a special connection with the ocean like i do all of a sudden it all made sense that like all this time you guys have been uh, waving waving at me to come and I, yeah, it was great. So you really were, per capita, the most supportive radio station in Canada. Is that right, eh? That's, yes. That's awesome news. Well, you, yeah. you rock so that we put on stuff that we think is awesome. Um, now speaking of that with the major label thing and the way you produced the, the last album, um, I read on your website that, uh, and I think this is a, a quote, uh, mm-hmm. the dismantling of the music business towers through technology was the best thing that ever happened to you. Can you explain what you mean by that? Isn't it obvious? Well, yeah, yeah, probably. No, I mean, it's just the absolute deconstruction and shift in, you know, what the 21st century has brought, all this incredible technology that has liberated many artists and also given us incredible independence to make art, not only music, but film and photography, everything. So the freedom that came with the technology is the same creative freedom, uh, you know, that that destroyed the stronghold that the major labels had, who were being greedy and overspending and all these absurd things, and they unfortunately learned their lesson too late that you can't just uh, exploit music like uh, any old, like, product right and that you will destroy the magic in it and there's a fine like all alchemy to like making music and nurturing people who make music and you can't abuse it and uh and exploit it and um so basically i as a individual as an artist the best thing that could have happened to me was being like falling out of that scene as it fell apart um it liberated me as an artist, you know, not only the technology, like I said, that gave me the freedom to make a multidisciplinary album with a fantasy film and a comic book and, and go sell directly to my listeners uh, on my website. All those things are amazing, but mainly it was more of like a spiritual freeing where when, there, when you don't have those huge empire corporations having a say in a magical thing called... Like a person's heart and their music, you know, right. it it became a much, much freer place, and uh, that's what I needed as an artist to actually arrive where I am now, where I feel like although I'm a veteran in some ways, I've been making music for 
well over a decade, uh, I mean, 15 years solid of music, and I only feel like I've sort of just begun arriving at who I am as an artist. You know, I am a late bloomer. I was the last girl with breasts in my class. <laughs> I was, I always have been a late bloomer, and I you know, I don't beat myself up about it. I wanted to take my time to find myself, and the timing was perfect. The way the industry changed, the way the technology evolved, it was exactly what I needed as an artist to find myself in 2011 with everything I want, you know, more struggles. We all know that, I mean, there's, you know, less funding and less support for the arts than ever. But uh, artists are built to fight and survive, you know, like we're just sort of back to like what it is to be a painter or a poet, but it's music and you're, you know, it's mm-hmm. struggle, but it's incredible. It's a, an honorable, an honor to serve music and it's <laughs> an honorable position to take <laughs> in this strange world of machines yeah absolutely well i mean you know i've, I've interviewed uh, quite a few you know for the punk show uh, punk artists uh, guys like you know joe shithead and and uh, mike watt and these guys have been around for a long time and they've yeah. all kind of talked about how it feels now like almost a new resurgence of the exactly. do-it-yourself the, the do-it-yourself ethic that exactly was, yeah it is it's it's back to the roots that made all the music that i love when i was coming up uh, I, I was a rock dj at a local bar in montreal and a ticket girl at fufuna Creek, which is like canada's greatest you know punk club in montreal i you know this is like 91 92 93 when i was coming up as a teenager in music that was, all the great stuff came out of the initial 80s punk revolution where they took it out of the corporate stronghold back into the hands of the musicians it's a total phase two of it, and it's the best thing that can happen to the actual music and to empower the individuals. It's it's an amazing time. We have, we're about to embark, and I think some of the the best music in the next five ten years is going to be so experimental, so independent, so exciting. Exactly, and the difference too now, thirty years later, is that back then people were you know using cut and pa- literally cut and paste on their flyers and and doing demo cassettes uh, you know with a which with a ghetto blaster cool, and, yeah, which is still cool yeah. but but now with the technology like you said like you know with photoshop and garage band all these kind of things people can do it themselves and it actually can be a fairly polished decent product too Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, and I believe in, you know, I think there's something beautiful about the rotary phone and the photocopy and (laughs) everything, you know, as much as I've embraced the 21st century. I just think that when you have a vision, no matter what tools you have, you'll make it happen. And But now I think the most exciting part is that the international capability, that you're able to connect with people from every country now. Right. You know, like punk bands wouldn't necessarily have the money to be able to go to, like, Australia or go to, you know, but like the fact that we can spread our wings that far virtually is so exciting. Well, speaking of that, too, with the social media kind of aspect yeah. of things, I, ha- I noticed that you posted on your Facebook page that you'd been locked out for a month. Was that what happened yeah, there? Yeah, I just got back in. I mean, a, a couple of, like, I don't know, in the past year, people have mentioned that there's like 12 of me on Facebook and <laughs> And so at one point, I sent, like a year ago, I sent in a thing that said, by the way, there's like 12 of me on Facebook and I'm the real me. Somehow they must have got confused because they blocked me out and sent me like a note saying your account is no longer active because you're an imposter. <laughs> and so I had to go through this whole thing of sending my passport and saying, no, I am me, I am me. There's other people that aren't me. I don't, But I don't know what happened to the other people. I think maybe they're shut out too. I, I, I'm not... 
I get lost the moment I log into Facebook, unless I'm just doing one, like, where are you now, little post, I get completely lost in all the different layers, so I don't really know what happened to the other me's, but I'm currently <laughs> back, but I was off for a month, yeah. Well, it's good to have you back. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> do Although you... I don't know how to use it, but I'll try. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of a bit of a Facebook addict now. I used to, I was really against it for a long time, and then I caved about a year and a half ago, and now I can never stop going on there. I uh, mean, I guess, yeah, you do hear, yeah, you get updates pretty quick, right, from all your friends. It's pretty good. Yeah, one thing I haven't uh, embraced at all is Twitter. Are you on Twitter? Oh, yeah, no, see, that is more uh, my style somehow. Oh, yeah. It works. I like the short, concise things. I don't like all these options. I like being able to just sort of say, check out this amazing lunar eclipse. Oh, my God, look at this incredible trailer for this film. I just like a nice little short thing, and it goes straight out. And uh, if you happen to be following it that moment, you see it. If not, it's, yeah, it's sort of simple. Okay. Well, let's talk about your, your, your album, I'll say your latest album. It's, I guess, about a year old, just over a year old now? Yeah, it's basically been put to sleep it's like it's it's the out of our minds chapter Mm -hmm. really completed itself uh in uh at christmas i got off i did a two-month european tour finished a couple days before christmas and then that was sort of 2010 was all devoted to out of our minds and then this year has been sort of a mix although i'm doing these summer festivals of definitely a lot of that material um but i did just go to europe and sort of do a new experiment i'm sort of starting to branch out to discover what the next chapter will be. So Out of Our Minds is almost put to sleep. Okay. After a heavy T.O. in Toronto, it will definitely be asleep. Okay. Well, you kind of answered my question because I was going to say, I mean, it was uh, this multifaceted thing. It was more than just an album. Obviously, it was a film and a, and a comic book and everything else. Um, so that's that's kind of done and put aside now, you know, performing it live for a bit. But uh, how are you? have you started writing new material already or...? Um, I started, I just did this tour in Europe. It was a uh, sort of an experimental spring thing where I wanted to uh, see what would happen when if you take the drums away from the bass player. So it was revisiting my material and actually other people's material influences like Danzig, Killing Joke, Typo Negative, sort of take, looking at other people's material and some of my own with and completely doing new instrumentation. So instead of drums, there was... Uh, lots of synthesizers and um, a couple of backing track things, but mainly it was sort of the idea of stripping it down to start decoding the inside to sort of get into a a, uh, a new songwriting, almost like cleansing of the palate to start a new chapter. Okay. But I mean, the thing is about Out of Our Minds that's worth mentioning is that, uh, I mean, other than obviously I'm very proud of it and you mentioned Danzig earlier, so yes, of course, we could talk about that. There's a couple of key things in Out of Our Minds that is not going to rest, but one of the main things is that when I decided, I made a personal and creative commitment to myself for it to be this multifaceted project, so not only music, but expanded into the fantasy film and the comic book and, and explore the themes of my songs in these other ways. And that is basically like I said about being a late bloomer, that is where I feel out of our minds is sort of the beginning, the first chapter of the real next um, step as an artist is that I will now always incorporate all of these other elements um, uh, with the music and that I, uh, as an art student who basically got hijacked by 
rock music when I was 22. I've always been looking for a way to go back to the visual art world that I left. Uh, instead of trying to pick one over the other, now I've decided they just will live together. And that was the big sort of commitment to myself and statement as an artist I made in 2010, which is I'm not going to pick one over the other. And like we said about the 21st century technology, it's even easier to do all of it now. And so I feel like I finally arrived where I want to be as an artist, where I can mix them all together. Right, exactly. It's another, another freeing thing where you can incorporate yeah. all of these uh, things that you are passionate about all in one project. Exactly. Uh, well, let's. Uh, you mentioned the Danzig again, so let's talk about that because uh, Dave Sawchuk, our music director, he says hi. By the way, he, I think oh yes, I spoke with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he told me that to get the story from you of how you got a hold of Glenn Danzig. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, so what, how did that well, all come about? Well, basically, I prayed to the Danzig gods from the age of seventeen on that one day I will cross his path. I didn't know how, and when I was seventeen, I wasn't even making music yet, but um. Uh, along the way, I mean, like in Hole, for example, I had a lucky Danzig sweatband that I wore throughout most of my touring, so I was always summoning. Danzig was a sort of male warrior Viking totem that I looked at inside to give me, the shy, blushing, redhead girl, some sort of confidence to do something with my life. So he was sort of always this, like, mentor inside that I always turned to of, like, if I could only have a little bit more Danzig, I could do something. And so he's always been this father figure kind of thing to me. And uh, when I started, um, and I always had a dream of, you know, once I started making my own record, especially a few years, like my first record, I thought, you know, one day, Danzig duet, if I could only... But it wasn't until Making Out of Our Minds and I started really exploring my songwriting where I... um, uh, for example, on Out of Our Minds, I wrote uh, a lot of songs from different instrumentations, like One Finger on a Piano, an auto harp, uh, bass. Like my, Most of my first record I wrote entirely on guitar. Um, so I really was pushing these different ways to write songs, and one of the things I decided would be a great exercise is writing a song from somebody else's perspective. So being a big fan of Danzig's and looking for a way to bring him into my life, I decided to write a song from his perspective. So I became Danzig, <laughs> took an acoustic guitar, and I wrote the song about uh, this healing grave digger that had the, has the power to help a woman overcome the grief and the loss of her father by walking her through the cemetery and bringing her to the place where he lay her father to rest. So I literally closed my eyes and like thought, what would Danzig do? Listen, sweet little girl, your father's gone below. And I started this duet, and it's a conversation, and it's first blues funeral dirge I've ever written in my life, because I don't know, <laughs> I've never written anything like that, but because it was from his perspective, I, I did it, and then I thought, well, now that I have this song, and I demoed it with me singing his part and my part, and I just got the P.O. box number and wrote him a letter explaining that he had been this father figure totem to me and that, yet, in fact, my father had died and this was part of this incredible healing process, but also as a songwriter and as a young woman living out her her rock dreams, I wanted to offer him this song. And, uh, and it would be an honor if he would 
guest duet on it. At that point, I had it was it's very hard to get in touch with Danzig because he never has like a manager for very long or anything. So, okay. like I said, that PO box is the only way you can get in touch with him and. The manager at the time had told me, and he was like not even in the picture probably by the time the the CD got to the guy's P.O. box, had said, listen, Danzig doesn't do, do duets or guests on anything, but we know about this thing you have for him. So all I can t- say is if, if it moves him, maybe he'll do it. But that's the only hope I had got, and everyone else was like, no way. This guy has never sung on anyone's record. He's not going to do it. I sent it, and six months later, my cell phone rings from a blocked number. Hello? Melissa, it's Danzig. (laughs) Hi. I like your song. And that was it. And then we just, like, me and him did the whole thing. I flew to L.A. There was not one manager, one contract, one thing that came between. It was just me, the man, and a song. Wow. And that's how simple and incredible. There wasn't even like a contract. There wasn't a penny exchange. It was so punk, so real, so just like a girl had a dream and made this song. And this her her rock idol said yes. And get, it was just so beautiful and pure. That anyway, is... he's the best. And I've seen him since. And, uh, you know, I went to his show in New York last year just in and thanked him. I said, you know, the reviews were great of her song. And I'm just so glad it worked. And thank you so much. And he just said... If you're happy, I'm happy. I mean, he's like a real father figure. And then I went to visit him at Comic-Con, like, the year before, and he was just, you know, like, acting as this amazing punk rock father figure where he was like, okay, you're starting your own label. Okay, well, make sure that you know lots of, like, sort of guidelines. And then I was, you know, sort of dabbling in the comic book world, and he was like, make sure you... He's just incredible, like, a guide wanting to just help this (laughs) girl through. It's amazing. That is an incredible story. That is so, so cool. Yes. The moral of the story, children, is believe in your dreams and write those letters. And they should be letters, not emails. I swear to God, letter writing has changed my life. That's how my band opened up for the Smashing Pumpkins during the Siamese Dream Tour and why I ended up joining the Pumpkins later was writing to the P.O. box of the Pumpkins, you know, saying I'm a huge fan and I started a band. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous that two of my biggest rock dreams have been achieved through a P.O. Box letter. Well, and maybe even especially now with with email and internet, a letter just seems so much more personal and someone's actually put some real effort into it, right? So there's respect there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wow, that's a great story. Is there anybody, like, anybody else on your list of people I, that... I can't. See, yeah. at this point, I'm pushing my luck because I have, like, five and I've, and I've, uh, I've, I've, achieved all of them except for one and I've decided that I'll do that one after death do his part I mean Morrissey is the only uh. only hero I have not crossed paths with I have not come close to in any way but he is such a huge part of my musical tapestry in my mind I mean I know every single Smith song inside and out and it's a huge huge um and I never even met him. I mean, so he's very far from achieving some sort of union with, but that maybe, maybe I'm supposed to keep one. Because, I mean, like, listen, between the Pumpkins, Josh and the Queens, Caius guys, the Danzig, uh, I've really achieved most of my 
most of my dreams to meet with my, you know, connect with my my mentors. So I've I've done it. I might leave Morrissey alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you okay for a couple more questions still? Or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, let's talk about um, what uh, the main thing that we're supposed to be talking about here, which is the Festival d'Été uh, yes, that's coming up. Um, and I, I I don't really speak French well, and I apologize for my terrible pronunciation, but. Uh, you're going to be there on the uh, July the 13th in Quebec City. Um, is this your first appearance at this festival? Yes, but what's so incredible here, I am a Montrealer and a very, very proud Montreal Quebecer. And uh, last year um, was the first time I played Quebec City. I have never, Hole in the Pumpkins never went there as a solo artist. I guess it just never worked at my first album so when I was invited last year to play the other festival, all about Macadam, I could, I was so embarrassed that it had taken that long because I love Quebec and I've received more support. Really, you know, other than the zone of Victoria, Quebec has been incredibly supportive of me as an artist all along, and uh, I just, um, I mean, so I had never been there and I didn't know whether the the French Canadian support I had received in Montreal uh, was. Uh, extended in Quebec City, and it was. I arrived there, and it was an incredible reception. I was on their on their cover of their weekly, and they really, really like considered me one of their own. And I and I went to the radio stations there, and they were so. And I just you know apologized, and I was like, I can't believe it took me this long to get here. I mean, this is absurd. I love you guys, and I feel like I'm one of you. And thank you so much for being so patient. So when I was invited for Festival d'Été. Um, although I will be six months pregnant what? at that show, I said yes anyhow because it is such an honor to play it again, and motherhood will not stop a girl from rocking Quebec City. There's no way. Um, so I said, oui, s'il vous plaît, and it's an honor that they've uh, invited me. And uh, they, I guess my connection last year with them you know, sealed the deal that we do have a relationship, and I will continue to go back. Did you just give me a scoop there? <laughs> I did. Oh God! It's yep. Yeah, that's wow. by July. Uh, I just put up a new teaser on the front of my website. The three July festivals I'm playing, or which are all incredibly honorable festivals: Montreux Jazz Festival in Switzerland, uh, Festival d'Été in Quebec, and then last show, Heavy To, July 24th. Those are my last shows of 2011 because I am embarking into motherhood shortly afterwards, and then I'll be writing a new record um, and it, uh, continuing after that. But these are this is my big July blowout. <laughs> this is my last show till I pop. Wow. Well, congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I have uh, a three-year-old boy myself. You're, gonna, you're in for a treat. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm, it's all a brave new world and very exciting. I mean, we are... You know, expansion is the name of the game. I'm, you know, I want to live a full life and know what it's all about, and that's obviously a huge puzzle piece. Wow, that's great. Mm-hmm. So Festival d'Été, we'll have a mini sac à mer on the way. <laughs> um, I don't have a whole lot more, uh, especially after that bombshell you dropped on me. <laughs> um, but I have to ask you this because uh, my wife is making me. She, my wife is a big fan of yours, and she's also uh -huh. a professional photographer. Oh, great! And I know yeah. you're a photographer. Uh, she. Mm -hmm. This is kind of a simple question, but she wants to know what what cameras you use. Do you do you film digital? Or? Oh, no, I have not expanded to digital. I'm still entirely 35 millimeter film. Occasionally, uh, 
two and a quarter on an old uh, Yashica camera, but uh, I really uh, stayed true to film. Because I'm not a working photographer, as in, like, I don't have to, like, do this, these poor working photographers, like, the turnaround is, like, an hour now. Right. <laughs> like, and I'm still, you know, in the 90s, I went to art school and I processed my own film, and and um, even when I did, you know, I did some photography stuff for, like, Spin and different magazines in the 90s, and even that was like, you know, you had a month or two to turn a story around, and because I'm preserving my photography as my art format, and I'm not going to push it into some commercial um, pressure filled thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've stayed in, in film, and I don't know a thing about digital photography. Nothing. Well, Louise, my wife, would be very pleased to hear that, because she does do digital when she does weddings and stuff, because she, yeah, she has to, you know, it's part of the, the nature of the beast, but she loves film and medium format and all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, no, I, I, I still love the surprises and the the uh, otherworldliness that comes with it. The thing is about digital, it's so weird, is how real it is and there's not that sense of another eye on it like what's beautiful about film and old cameras is that there's a sense of another eye like looking in versus sort of like oh it's just reality right (laughs) exactly real digital (laughs) but um uh, I also wanted to mention though Quebec Festival d'été is coheed in Cambria. I'm really excited. It was another uh, part of the appeal of saying yes to the show is that um, they uh, we our records are released on the same label in Europe. Uh, Roadrunner Records released both our la- latest records last year the same week, and I actually met some of those guys at a press junket in August. I mean August Amsterdam right. last year, and uh, really. I'm very curious to like to see them play, and I've always thought that maybe there was some creative connection between me and that band. And in fact, turns out they live near me in New York. I live in upstate New York, and they live, I guess, uh, 20 minutes away from here. So oh. it's a good little Quebec City connection where I'll uh, get to unite with uh, Coheed. That's very cool. Quite the eclectic lineup in general. I mean, got Elton, Elton John and Metallica on the same bill. That's a uh Strange. What? I guess I haven't looked at the whole bill yet, really. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's 10 days long or whatever. But yeah, there's yeah, yeah. Uh, Elton John's playing the one night. Then there's Metallica. Black Keys are there. Uh, Marianne Faithful's going to be there. It's uh, go kind look. of all over the place. It's awesome. Yeah, well, no, it's a great festival. Merci, Quebec. <laughs> je, je, je me souviens, je m'arrive. J'arrive bientôt. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually saying pretty silly, <laughs> generic stuff. But. I'm pretty. Uh, I'm very West Coast Canadian. And, <laughs> and, um, with that. Hey, Melissa, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, and my love to the zone and all the sweet Victoria folk. And um, next project, I hope I get myself all the way to that coast again. So thank you very much. Yes, please do, and our love back to you as well. And uh, look forward to maybe I'll get to meet you in Quebec City as well. Oh, yeah. Come find me. I'll be the one with the creature growing in my stomach. <laughs> the baby bump, as they call it. <laughs> yes. All right. Have a great day, Melissa. Okay, Thank you. Cool. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been the Punk Show Podcast. If you'd like to hear more, including kick-ass punk music, go to thezone.fm slash punk. Oh, yeah. And be sure to check out the Punk Show on Facebook and Instagram.